Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City and happy Rolex 24-hour weekend. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Got Les Kaiser in the studio with me. This is John uh, Massengill, right. and we have Jonathan Green over Zoom tonight. How are you, Mr. Green? <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you're feeling well, and uh, I'm feeling great because I watched about probably 14 to 15 hours of the Rolex. And I actually really watched a good bit of that, like not have it in the background, but really watched it. And I did get a good night's sleep, but I watched it first thing this morning and I don't think it disappointed at all. What about you, Les? What'd you think? Oh man, I didn't watch that many hours, but I bet I've got probably eight hours into it. And hey, kudos to Peacock. If you weren't relegated to TV, you know, a Peacock app, was awesome for for a very cheap entry fee to stream that you know let the rest of the family tune in and watch Yellowstone while you're watching the 24 hours it was awesome yeah we did a speed the following program <laughs> there you go you in living color like that. on NBC we did a we did a, a Speed City purchase of Peacock and we weren't sure how we could share it between all of us yeah but to, what it, it had uh, three streaming devices at a time so you me and Jonathan were all good to go yeah it was great I you know in some situations I did have it running in the background and but uh, yeah awesome uh, awesome coverage awesome racing oh my gosh well I'm gonna get to what you thought about it Jonathan let me just talk about what we got on the show tonight uh, we're gonna talk a lot about the Rolex here right at the top of the show and uh, we had a driver, Jordan Pepper. He's not going to be able to make it. He was going to come right, on, right. but he had flight and all sorts of crazy issues. Uh, Jonathan called. So we actually did talk to a driver out in Daytona. We talked to Kyle Kirkwood, but he was in bed and he's not coming on. <laughs> and It's so early. And uh, <laughs> Alexander Rossi didn't answer my phone call. Um, I couldn't Who? get it. <laughs> Uh, You're just not wind tunnel, John. You're just not wind tunnel. <laughs> I texted Ben Keating, but I didn't get a response. He's probably he was probably flying back to Houston, so I tried to get a Texan on the line. But hey, we got a hey, really a big sponsor was on the podium today. That's right. That's right. We had uh, uh, George Kurtz. Are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, from CrowdStrike. Yep, CEO of CrowdStrike. And um, yeah, but we uh, we got a great show, guys, because we have some clips we we caught up with uh, f1 journalist chris medlin and if you don't know chris you if you don't know him for sure you've seen some of his work guarantee because he writes a lot for racer.com he writes a lot for f1.com he's one of the top f1 journalists one of the top journalists in motorsports and so we sat down with him for about a half hour on friday afternoon and we talked a lot with chris about Mostly F1. A couple of clips about um, the IMSA because he was there. He wasn't really working. He was just have, out there having fun. But we talked to Chris about Lewis Hamilton. Like, does he think that Lewis Hamilton's coming back? And I think that answer might surprise you a little bit. And we talked to him all about Michael Massey and the FIA. Really great. I think, Jonathan, don't you think it was probably the best insight that we've heard yet on all that? Yeah, he had one particular answer on summing up the Massey debacle, if, if you will, 
Um, and I think he put it the best way I've heard anybody put it because everybody's had an opinion. We've had three months to talk about it. We've heard from Toto Wolf. In fact, the only person who hasn't uh, jotted in on all of this is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about that. But can I give you my take on what you were just saying about IMSA? Sure. Yeah, you, you're going to hear from John Noonan, who is the you know the president of IMSA in a moment. We got some um, uh, audio from him. Um, but I, I agree with Les. Um, Peacock has, if you like, nudged the needle for IMSA. Um, IMSA has always struggled with one simple thing, which is people understanding how endurance racing works. Uh, sorry, two things then. People understanding how IMSA and um, how endurance racing works, but also B, how to put something that is 24 hours long on TV. And it's kind of impossible, but not when you have a platform like Peacock. So in other words, NBC, as they will do with the Olympics, and as they have done with many other sports, but particularly for endurance racing, has just opened up the world for them. In other words, they've got a platform on Peacock, which you can tune in anytime. And I did last night, as you did. Uh, I didn't do 15 hours, but you'll tell us why you have a vested interest, I'm sure. Um, but the point is, it's on national NBC as well for the crucial parts to, to set it up. But then you go to Peacock, and as Les says, it's totally uh, affordable, five bucks. Um, plus they've got soccer and other sports, the Olympics, everything. So um, I think now with the way that TV is um, dissipating or at least expanding with dissipation of their main things, they don't have to put uh, a 24-hour race on the national network. They can put two hours of it here and two hours of it there. And if you want to watch the whole race or you're tuning in from abroad or whatever you might be doing, then, you know, you've got perfect access to um, Peacock and their live streaming as well through IMSA. So they cracked it. Well, you know, it, you're right. It, you didn't have Stop Life to enjoy it. I headed out to the Circuit of the Americas today. I plugged it in and had it going over the Bluetooth in the car on the way out there and on the way back. So still managed to do, you know, the other motorsport love and, uh, and keep up with it. So absolutely big kudos to, for Peacock and their coverage. Yeah, it worked out good. It was great. In fact, uh, I will tell you why I had a, a vested interest in it. My son was a um, mechanic for number two mechanic for the inception racing, Optima Motorsports, the, one of the McLarens. In fact, nice. the one that, that led that. In fact, hey, by the way, Greeny, I talked to Dave O'Neill on the way to the show tonight, and uh, he was telling me that they are going to get a, a bunch of extra points for that because they led – so much of the race they led led almost half of the race because they right. led almost all overnight and did you guys notice how fast those two mclarens were though they were one and two at one point and the other mclaren had i don't know I, I, they had some trouble and they spun out one time and anyway they didn't end up finishing the race but uh but the number 70 inception was where my son was so i was watching all that but and and the reason i talk about that now is because leading into that same discussion the whole family grandparents everybody wanted to watch and they did the same thing. They just said, well, I'll just grab Peacock. It's six bucks for a month. And yeah, so yeah. they they grabbed that. You know, everybody's got some sort of Roku or smart TV or whatever kind of platform. So it was a pretty easy switch, wasn't it? Switch back and forth. Yeah, very easy. And, uh, I, you know, it's obviously the future. And, and the, the interesting thing you'll hear from Noonan, uh, and we've got quite a long interview with him, but we split it up. So we'll, we'll hear a bit of it tonight, but we'll put it out on social and we'll put it out on our SoundCloud. But um the, the president of IMSA is realizing and, 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 and picking up on the fact that people uh, can be part of IMSA, tune in and carry on with their lives. And what I mean by that is, you know, like like Les, you know, you, you, you switch to your phone, you may sit at home for an hour, you watch it with the family. I was on live timing a lot because sometimes I'm, I'm particularly looking at one particular car that I don't see on TV necessarily. Um, but I can I can go to the live timing. And so, you know, there's lots of different ways now of carrying, you know, following your your IMSA sport. Uh, and that is something that the, the IMSA are trying to capitalize on. Oh, I loved it. And like I said, I went out to the Circuit of the Americas today, had some business out there. We're gonna we're gonna give a little update on the track surfacing and the feedback on it. But it, some of the folks had their monitors and they had uh, things streaming in the garage so that they were watching it. And yeah. so it made things that portable. And I really think the approach, there was so much coverage. There was so much interaction. You know, all of our commentating buddies 
had a fantastic setup. I, I think everybody was there but us. But uh, yeah. but you had uh, you know pit box folks running around. You know Shay Adams was running all over the place. You know all kinds of things, and there was so much content available that uh, it really stepped the game up. And you know what I contribute that to, in them stepping up beyond last year, were things like the Netflix F1 series. People want more of this. They want to understand more of it. They want more conversation and to hear what, why did that work that way? And why are they doing that way? Well, here, let's go talk to somebody. And I really feel like that's, uh, you know, the way it works out. And I think that drew a big crowd. Yep. Yep. Well, let's talk a little bit about the race. Castro Nevis jumping on the fence with his, what is he, 44 years old? His enthusiasm, that that was definitely one of my favorite things of the race. Uh, the Porsche in the GTD class at the end, the number two and the number nine. I didn't know Porsches played rugby. Man, that looked like looked like NASCAR, didn't it, Jonathan? It was amazing. And in fact, uh, Dale, Earnhardt, uh, was, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was commentating on it and, and said exactly that because going into the bus stop, which is where they came together and, uh, with a, on the penultimate lap, you know, um, w- w- basically where is where the, that battle for LMP2 ended. Um, I did think it odd, though, that uh, Van Tor chose that place. I said to my dad at the time, I was like, you know, the next overtaking spot is, is the bus stop, but he's got a lap to go and it's too risky. And he took the risk and it didn't pay off. I think he should have held back, stuck in there and gone for gone for an overtake, either in the first corner or at the horseshoe. Um, right. And he'd have had maybe an opportunity, but hey, you know, desperate times, desperate measures, 24 hours. Come on, who am I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, it was an amazing finish. We had two, I mean, the director did a hell of a job of covering it because that we had two distinct battles, one for the overall race in DPI with Castro Nevers and Wayne Taylor racing, uh, Ricky Taylor at the wheel. And obviously Castro Nevers bringing it home for Sirius XM and Maya Shank. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, the, the LMP2 battle. But the, the director did a really good job of using the overhead shot. Uh, I don't know if it was a drone or a helicopter, but you got to see the traffic ahead of them. And that's what made the intensity and the drama. Absolutely. Yeah, it was awesome. Like I said, I mean, just everything about that broadcast coverage was top notch. And I think that's the kind of coverage that are going to get people to stick with IMSA. Uh, that probably happened upon it. You know, it's like IMSA, the entire, everybody's raised their game. You have this amazing field of cars, I mean, of drivers, but the cars now are, you know, they talked about how fast the GTD and uh, GTD Pro cars were this, you know, they were saying something about the weather, how the how they were uh, liking the cold air and all that, but still you can't attribute all that, but the cars are faster than the, everything about that, that series now, as particularly this race are way, way up there. And in fact, I had, we got a clip from Chris Metal. I want to play at some point, if we can get that in too, about how this this race doesn't really get as much respect, or not respect, but doesn't get that much notice in Europe. And I think it probably will start with all this stuff going on. So, but guys, let's go ahead and get a quick break in. And when we come back, we'll continue. We'll have those clips from um, the CEO of IMSA right after this break. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstop Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But, Jonathan, you know why, what makes it so special, the water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right, and they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Allstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer, uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because, obviously, Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All righty, folks. One of the best events of the year coming up at the Circuit of the Americas is February 18th, 19th, and 20th. Super Lap Battle USA is coming. This is everything from your garage builds to your ultimate track weapons. Come on out. Fantastic event. Spectator pricing, $12 for the weekend. All of it. So uh, definitely come Boom. out. Everything is open. Paddock is open. Vendors. There'll be car shows, drift exhibitions, competition. Grid Life is there running one of their events. So uh, come on out. Again, that's February 19th and 20th at the Circuit of the Americas. Check out superlapbattleusa.com. All right. Let's jump right into some clips with Chris Medlin. Chris is one of the top motorsports journalists in the world Mostly F1, but um, he's here this weekend over at the Rolex, and he had some comments about uh, about how the Rolex doesn't really have the the cachet or prestige in Europe. It does. I think it's a bit lost over there. I think it's the build up comes like the excitement isn't noticed until basically it's race day, and then people suddenly see it on their feeds and on on Twitter, or whatever, or some action happens and it gets shared, and then it's put into their conscience, but beforehand they haven't really been made aware of it so much and i think it is the lack of a direct link to the mainstream categories back in europe you get you get obviously some of the very good um wet drivers are, are competing here um sports car fans are very excited by it but it doesn't cross over beyond that uh whereas if you look at like le mans that just will go to any motorsport fan will be interested in le mans um and i think it just helps because the build-up is on their doorstep so even if they normally wouldn't be paying attention to sports car racing that just kind of fits their schedule better uh, and i just think 
dare I say it, uh, someone like me in the media needs to do a better job at trying to hype it up for fans in Europe mm -hmm. because it is a great event and they they don't quite understand I think maybe some of the talents that are in in the top level here um, you know the opportunity to see like guys from IndyCar against top level drivers from WEC against NASCAR guys like it's, it's so exciting it's such a diverse field in that sense um, but maybe we don't tell that story so well because I guess the mix comes with North American racers mixing with a few sports car drivers from Europe. If you can get an F1 driver or two in, essentially, um, or you can get some of those IndyCar NASCAR drivers doing stuff in Europe that, that piques the attention too, um, then the crossover would be better, I think, and that's how we'll get more excitement. But, uh, yeah, I feel like it doesn't get the credit it deserves, actually, this race uh, from Europe until it sort of happens and people go, oh, that looked quite cool. I'll try and pay attention next year. And by the time it's next year, they've kind of forgotten about it. Yeah, interesting, Jonathan. Did you realize that? Yeah, and as somebody who's done the 24 hours from Europe, I think that is absolutely the case. When you get an Alonso or a Lando, there is a, perked, uh, a peaked interest in Europe. Um, but of course, because Formula One is 23 races now, I think um, the main reason why uh, the Formula One drivers aren't stepping up as they used to, uh, and, and this is a tradition that's gone on, you know, since you know, since the 70s, since Ferrari versus, um, you know, Ford, um, as we saw in the movie. So uh, a, a tradition of Formula One drivers taking part in Daytona because it was at a time uh, at the end of January, which they weren't working or they weren't doing anything. But I think, you know, this season, last season showed, you know, these guys have been at it all the way to December. So why on earth would they give a number month of their life off when, when they're about to, um, and it is a month of simulation, the roar, the race itself, you can't just show up anymore. So I, I do think that uh, sadly that ha has been a factor unless Formula One shortens its season a little bit. Um, we may not see some of these Formula One drivers, but, um, you know, it's such a depth, a deep field um, that you get to see people like Kirkwood, who you wouldn't know maybe coming into this. Uh, Carl Kirkwood, I'm talking about, who's just joined Indy. And you may not know much about him if you don't follow the junior formula. Um, but there he was. Um, and so many other drivers that um, are so world class. I mean, that battle for um, uh, LMP2 at the end there, uh, Jaminet and Bantor are well known to sports car fans, but may not be known to the wider public. You know, Jonathan, one of the things that I heard, which kind of ruffled my feathers a bit, were people saying that this is just a 24-hour road trip for these guys? And I'm like, no, it's not. Okay, yeah, they're much more successful in the much more of the 61-car field finished the race, but they're still out there hustling and hitting hard every time they lap the thing. And so I think this week or this year's race, you know, reiterated, it's a race through and through, beginning to end, all the way to the last lap and the bus stop. Speaking of miles, did you guys hear the milestone that Corvette Racing reached? 50,000 miles that they've raced. I think in, I don't know, it's, it's got to be in IMSA, but still. Probably so, yeah, yeah. They've got 50,000 miles. That's more than like all the combined Ferrari owners' miles together, isn't it? Yeah, and they're still under warranty. <laughs> wonder if they get those extended warranty calls. <laughs> What's the saying? Uh, for Ferrari owners brag how a few miles they have and Porsche and Corvette. Yeah, uh, how many they do have. How many they do have. <laughs> Uh, hey, Jonathan, let's play some of those John Duna clips. Why don't you introduce him, and then um, we got the first clip queued up. Which is? Uh, the, well, the first one is growing IMSA in the future, uh, but tell them yeah. who John Noonan is. Doonan, excuse me, Doonan. Doonan. Yeah. Uh, John, of course, is the head of IMSA uh, and the president, and I just thought it was somewhat appropriate that we've just been watching his wares because not only is it the Rolex 24 hours, it is the first round of IMSA, uh, and they were fully on display today. Um, and so I, I always think it's interesting to reflect on the guy that runs it, the guy that owns it, and the guy that uh, puts it all together. And he does it with a passion. He spoke on the Racer EPAR Trade um, webinar week, or race week, if you will. Uh, and so I thought it would be a good time to actually hear his views on a lot of the future ahead for IMSA because these are exciting times for sports car racing in North America. You know, there, there's so many different ways for people to take in IMSA content and they have found those ways, the audience, the current one, um, to do exactly as you said. And I get a lot of pictures from people while I'm at, you know, the Rolex 24 or the 
the 12 hours of Sebring and people, you know, their, their living room set up with laptops and big screens and things like that to, to, to buckle in and, and enjoy the ride of the race uh, in their particular your their particular fashion. Um, I think um, clearly uh, we need to leverage uh, the NBC relationship and, and, and I'm not talking about the, just the broadcast that's that's critical for our partners. Uh, the streaming opportunity that Peacock now gives us flag to flag uh, each weekend. Um, I also think that um, through all the drivers that, that are uh, a part of our IMSA paddock, uh, all through the manufacturers um, and through the critical partners like WeatherTech and Michelin, um, we have to um, go perhaps uh, beyond the racetrack um, with their uh, massive audiences that, you know, uh, a brand like Cadillac or Acura that we're battling for a championship have a massive following of folks that are currently maybe not wearing the, the IMSA hat um, as, a, as a, a loyal fan. And so uh, we had an opportunity around uh, Motul Petit Le Mans to talk to all of our, our leadership of our OEM partners. And we asked them for their help. Um, we've done some deep consumer research with our partners at Michelin. Um, and it's fascinating to know that when people haven't had an opportunity to, to taste IMSA, um, when they got the sampling platter, when they got the hors d'oeuvre, um, they have raised their hand and said, we want more. And so it's incumbent on us uh, as IMSA, but also uh, incumbent on all of our partners and all of our participants. And those of us that are, are uh, the, the baptized, if you will, to make sure that uh, we go out and share uh, the ways that people can take it in um, and, and reach that uh, untapped, uh, if you will, audience that, that hasn't been to an event or hasn't seen us um, on a regular basis in all the ways that they can watch. Hmm. Yeah, they really have a great relationship with all the manufacturers. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes IMSA so much fun to watch. You know, like I said, I shared mine with the family. So, and everybody knows my Mercedes and a Ferrari and a Porsche and a Lamborghini and Aston Martin. Everybody knows all those names. And, you know, maybe you have either, maybe you either drive one of those or you have one of those as a favorite. So you can really connect with the sport. And I do I think they do that very well. Yeah, they've got, they, they've got a huge advantage compared to a lot of motor racing series in that they cut, ac cut across both the sports car and race fan as well as the manufacturer fan. So like you, John, a big Corvette man, you love your Corvettes, you love your Porsches. Uh, and so you would just watch that as, a, as, a, you know, as somebody who drives one of those cars. Um, so that they've got a, a, a bigger audience than most because in Indy, you're into Indy and that's it. There's no real, I mean, yes, Honda are there and Chevrolet are there, but you don't really show up to Indy to follow Chevrolet. So I, I think that that's where IMSA has the advantage. The cars look like the road cars uh, and they are, you know, mighty beasts of those versions. And so you genuinely can look at a Porsche on track and go, that's, that's, that's my guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get a break in, and we'll be back after a very quick message. This is Speed City Live from Austin, back after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 U.S. Championship, VRD also has programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. If you want to join the team, go drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. And we're going to play some clips from Chris Medlin. And just another quick reintroduction of Chris. Chris is one of the best F1 journalists in the world. And he goes to most of the races, writes for F1.com, racer.com, and lots of other places. And we caught up with him on Friday. He was down at the Rolex. So this first clip, he talks, just a quick clip here, but it was good to have him. He was in the United States. He just landed and he was talking about how exciting it was for Formula One after watching 400,000 people come to Coda. So let's hear from Chris Medlin. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've seen like the increase doing stuff for racer.com especially and, and the increase in interest and uh, the kind of audience share that F1 now gets compared to IndyCar and NASCAR on what was, you know, a very North American focused website. Um, it's been great to see. And, and yeah, the growth of the race at Cota, obviously now having Miami as well coming on and hopefully Vegas in the future. It's, uh, it's a really exciting time actually for Formula One in the U.S. Heck yeah, that's what we say. We've been talking all about that. And if you listen to this show, you know we talk all about how exciting it is for Formula One to be growing in the United States. And it is. And and on that note, really quick note, we are going to go bigger and badder than we've ever gone on our Formula One coverage this year. Whoop, whoop. Uh, yep, we had some good meetings this week. We got some more next week. So go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. You'll find out where we do our pre and post for every formula one race live every sunday morning on national radio but i have a fantastic clip that i'm going to play from chris metal now because this next one is him talking about in the room yeah yeah this next one it's there's two really good clips jonathan the first one i want to play is the question whether or not Lewis Hamilton will be back. Let's hear from Chris. Yeah, I think it's a, a serious uh, chance that Lewis isn't coming back. Um, as in, you know, I think we do have to take it seriously that this silence and this unhappiness that he has. Um, but I still feel he will come back. I feel enough will be done that at least uh, motivates him to come back and win an eighth and walk away at that point. I think. I think he'd love to, you know, do it on his terms in terms of winning even if he's still unhappy kind of be able to turn around and, and stick two fingers up and go right that's me out you know you you blew it before you, you kind of lost my trust in the sport but i just needed that one last uh kind of point to prove rather than walk away at this point um i would be surprised if massey kept this job uh i think it would be um a big talking point that the fia don't need as well if they if they try and re- they need to restructure race control they, they've admitted that and i think what that need what needs to be made clear from that is that then it wasn't just Matthew's fault the way the way it is currently um constructed uh it made it difficult for him put him in a tough position but he made big costly errors so I, i'd be surprised if he was still around for 
in F1 terms um, for the first race in March. But I, I think he'd probably move aside to some other FIA category because I also think the FIA would recognise, yeah, we didn't help you here. We didn't put you in a in an easy position um so yeah that's that's kind of the way i see it i think we'll end up with a, a kind of restructured race control that has a different race director in place but one again who is then detached a bit more from the teams and can probably just do their job um and as much as massey would love that to be him i think it's impossible for him to come back now with um with the fallout there's been and and you know there'd be so much questioning of decisions that would go on like he to be fair he could make 99.9 percent .9 of the calls correct this this coming year but even when you make the correct call, you always tend to upset someone. And because of what's gone before, that's just going to make it really, really hard for people to trust. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised to see him still in the role. Hmm. Is that, did that answer surprise you, Jonathan? No. Uh, and I would, I would uh, venture to say that I agree with Chris that um, there's no question that Lewis has been uh, very hurt by this, that he has gone complete radio silence. I think there are two things for that, reasons for that. Toto has not been sil uh, silent about it and has been very vociferous about, you know, uh, and almost annoying almost about how they were cheated out of all of the rest of it. And he didn't want to get involved in that. He didn't want to be tarred with that. Um, he's a great sportsman. He stood on the podium. He took his, you know, he took it on the chin as a good sportsman should. But, you know, in a weekend where we're talking about Tom Brady and Rafa Nadal, uh, two, you know, two of the greatest sportsmen in their sports. Lewis is up there with those two. And I don't think that Lewis would want to leave the sport this way. Uh, I think he would be happy to come back for another year and be beaten fair and square and have no controversy and all the rest of it because he's, he is that kind of sportsman, just as Brady was and is. Um, but I do think, and I agree with Chris, that Lewis will want to give it one more go for two reasons. One, he got cheated out of a championship. And two, he's the greatest of all time. And he wants to prove it by taking that eighth title, one more than Michael Schumacher. Hmm. You know, I think you touched on something that struck a nerve with me, and I think other people maybe, but you said the way Toto went about it yeah. was kind of annoying. You know, my first reaction when when Toto was just going crazy about this, I was like, just stop, you know, but, but the more we analyze it, I, again, I've said it, I want our sport. I want F1. It's the, you know, it's the fastest cars. It's the highest technology. I want everything to be the best, but I think Toto was just so annoying the way he went about it and that that's the part that bothered me, but I don't yeah. know. I think, uh, you gotta, you... Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think that, that Lewis Hamilton, by doing what he's done has been, it's been a powerful thing to be completely silent. It's been powerful to do it that way. Uh, yeah. I, the one thing I wish he had done differently is attend the, the end of the year celebration and big event, but I get, he's gone back, you know, uh, he can do what he wants. I mean, he doesn't have to be in, you know, on social media all the time. He, this is all okay. You know, as far as the rules and requirements, that's, that's his to, deal with do i think he'll be back absolutely he's going to come back he wants number eight if he you know comes back one season and he gets it i think he's gone if he comes back and he doesn't get it as long as there's no controversy you know no massy moment i think we're all good but then the other you know i heard somebody call it the massy moment you know what massy did everything within his boundaries and i hate to see him get clubbed for following the rules and staying within the boundaries and so, uh, you know, I hope they uh, have some uh, eloquent way of moving him aside, if that's what it's going to take to settle the, the paddock, but not le leaving him embarrassed or whatever you want to say, because he did follow the protocol, as we saw. Yeah, I, I agree. He did follow the protocol. I think that he ultimately, after all this analysis, and we've had months now to do all this i think he probably did make some mistakes i agree with meddling on that yeah and in fact this next clip is really the best clip of all of these and it talks all about what you're saying and when jonathan and i were talking to chris we both walked away from that going i think Tom, this yeah go ahead jonathan before you play this can i just add a footnote to it uh you're right about toto but think about toto's position he's got 700 people who've given their lives uh, and time and energy to win this championship. They were four laps away from winning it. 
they have a partner in Ineos who are a third part owner of the company with Mercedes. And I think he needed to go out in front. Lewis didn't, but he needed to go in front of those people, those backers, that money and make a fuss. Because if he didn't, then he's not representing. I'm good with that. Yeah, hard to argue with that. But this next clip is going to really add a lot of color to this. So this uh, this clip is him talking all about the Michael Massey situation. I, I think the way it worked with Charlie was more that he had Herbie Blash next to him as well sometimes, yes. who would take a lot of that noise um, and kind of filter it out for him. So it, having Herbie as his right-hand man kind of gave put a buffer between Charlie and the teams. But also it not being broadcast meant that the way the teams handled it was different. And I think it is true that the fact it was broadcast meant um, – that teams were a little bit, they definitely changed the way they dealt with Massey after things started getting broadcast. We, we asked Michael this uh, probably about a year ago, um, maybe longer actually, about you know, is, is more coming his way? Is he getting um, team principles and things being more robust because they know it's been televised? And he's like, no, it's actually the opposite. Like you guys are now hearing what I get, but I used to get more of this. Like uh, you'd have more thrown at you. But now that they know it's been televised, they're a bit more worried about what they say. Mm. I think that changed. I think... I think maybe team managers, sporting directors, people that were actually properly speaking or questioning decisions or asking for clarifications, I think they have continued in the way they, they had before. But I think team bosses getting involved and basically, you know, frustrated guys that can press a button and shout at the race director, shout at the referee. It's like a football manager, a soccer manager being able to walk onto the pitch and remonstrate. Yeah. You see them go crazy on the touchline, don't you, quite often. But it's like them being able to actually go up and, and say their piece. Uh, and I think that was wrong and that needed to change. So, yeah, in, in a sense, I think he was put in a very difficult position. Uh, I wouldn't call it impossible. I think he was halfway to getting the decisions right. Um, I don't think the broadcasting of certain messages helped his position afterwards because it made it sound like, well, Horner lobbied you and you did this. Or um, the way you replied to Toto suggested that. But you know, I, I think you kind of have to take that out of it. But that lobbying had been going on all year. And he'd made some decisions right and some wrong anyway. There was nothing unique in that sense about what happened in Abu Dhabi. It was just when it got to the stage of how do we restart? I think he did have, the teams have admitted it themselves, they asked for races not to end on the safety cars. They had the desire to get a green flag restart. And he, in his mind, then was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make it that there's no uh, interference in this championship battle from backmarkers. Like, I, think, I think his thought process was I can... You know, I can. This is the best way I can set this up to finish fairly, but in doing so, he actually made it finish unfairly. And I think it was the pressure and the time. You know, the, the laps were ticking down. He was running out of time, um, and the most sensible thing to do would have been to red flag it early. Uh, but again, that's not in regulation that he can just red flag it when there's not actually a reason other than time running out, um, or would have been to just you know leave everyone as they were and try and restart it as early as possible. And if he'd have got that clearly through to the teams, he, you know, Red Bull would have been unhappy. But I think one of the things that's always overlooked is Red Bull got a, like their chance of winning the title increased massively the second the safety car came out. Like before that, Lewis had it wrapped up. They were complaining that there was cars between them, but Max on fresh tyres with four backmarkers was way better situation than they had before the safety car came out. So they were already quids in in that sense. Uh, and I think it's um, unfair to then look at it as oh well if he hadn't moved the cars that would have been unfair on Red Bull like they would they were you know the roll of the dice had gone their way already so uh, I think he kind of went too far in trying to um, create the clean finish and it and it was um, a costly step for probably for his future in F1 but um, the one thing I do completely disagree with is anyone who says it was uh, a deliberate attempt to get Max to win the title I, I don't think there was any malicious intent from Massey at all I think it was just a very costly error. Huh. I um. I'm ready to move on from this topic. I wish the FIA would get there and make this right. decision because y'all know me. I'm I'm an optimist. And I want to talk about the future and the fun and all that, but I want to give you guys any chance to respond. The one thing I my comment will on that would be I completely and wholeheartedly agree that having all that stuff broadcast does not help and having yeah. and having access doesn't help. Like he said, you don't see the coaches out in the you know how the referees in the NFL all gather right. and talk. You, you don't see them Hey, coach, coach, come stand in the Come middle. on over. Come join the discussion. Yeah, you don't see that. How do you feel that. about this? Yeah. What do you think, Jonathan? What do you think about how do you want to wrap this discussion up? Yeah, I think uh, what Chris Medlin said, and that's why he does what he does, uh, was the best synopsis of the, the whole scenario. Uh, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. We should not have um, the broadcast of this bickering, so to speak. And I think that's got to stop immediately. 
I do think that Lewis was robbed of a genuine championship, although Massey was trying to, to he was stuck between a rock and a hard place. He was trying to end it under racing, which everybody wanted. It just proved to be so much more of an advantage to Red Bull by doing it that way and by giving him a lap uh, under racing conditions that, 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 it, that it looked there for and, and really was unfair uh, on Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. So it doesn't matter how, you know, whether you're a fan of Lewis or you're a fan of Verstappen, uh, that was not the way that that should have gone. And although he made those decisions on the fly, he got it wrong. Yep. yep. I, I, so. I totally agree with that. I would like to see an adjustment to make a guarantee of a green-white checker finish. Uh, you know, yeah. if it takes one more set of laps to do that, let's increase the fuel capacity by a little bit. So that's there. There you go. Simple. Right? Yep. I don't know what's going to happen if it happens twice in a row. But... <laughs> that's their problem. We'll let them... and, and I also agree with Chris that, frankly, sadly, someone's got to fall on the sword for this. And, and Massey obviously is the obvious. Um, but that should include a restructuring of how yeah. race control disseminates both its orders and its uh, reactions to incidents. Uh, and so, therefore, if Lewis is to come back and all will be well in the, in, in the world of Formula One, uh, then something's got to change. Okay, yes. But, you know, uh, the closing comment for me is Massey had a few seconds to make this decision, collect the data, do his analysis, know the rules, all of that with, with the parties that he's got in his ear to make that decision. And, you know, as Madeline said, I don't think he was malicious about it. He did his best shot. Well, here we are months later and we're still nitpicking things that there's no way he could have had this much time to make that decision. So I'm not <laughs> mad at Massey. I yeah. think he did it and, you know, did the best he could. He was set up almost with just, it was ultimately he was going to fail. If somebody they, was going to be mad at him. Well, yeah, he was going to fail. Like, like Chris said, even when you do it right, you get people screaming and yelling. It is the internet after all. So, um, I want to play one more clip before we go to break. And I want to go with, uh, to this break with a high note because as you guys, as we've been talking about for a while now, we got Miami coming this year, but Vegas is in the works and it's looking like that it may be a done deal. Let's see what Chris said about it. I remember being actually in Austin um, and Greg Maffei was walking around uh, the paddock more than happy to openly say to whoever he was trying to impress at the time, you know, showing around uh, that he's like, you know, and we're, we're nearly there with Vegas. So if we can pull that off, we're going to have three great venues. So I, I was thinking that's probably something you should be saying behind closed doors. So not everybody can hear, but um, yeah, he was clearly quite excited about it and hopeful. So everything I've heard is that it's, it's still going forward. I don't, don't know if they're quite ready to announce anything yet, but uh, hopefully at some point uh, in the next few months, we'll, we'll have that firmed up and people can get excited about another race. You, by the way, he's talking about the CEO of Liberty Media, the company that owns the Formula One series. So I thought that was funny that he uh, was going around telling everybody probably shouldn't have been. But all right, we have a few more clips from Chris. We got some more fun stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the new track resurface. We had the guy on from Coda last week who was amazing. But Les, you talked to some people that were out there driving on that new surface. We're going to talk about that. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. When you leave the Circuit of the Americas today, you need to go check out our friends at Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery, just 40 minutes west of Weird in the beautiful Spicewood, Texas. They produce a wide variety of unique, award-winning spirits, including bourbon, whiskeys, gin, vodka, and rums. They're kid and dog-friendly with yard games and Crego's Pizza and wings on site every weekend. Enjoy a full bar, tasting room, bottle purchases, and live music when you visit the ranch. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram, and always ask for Iron Wolf at your favorite bars and liquor stores across Texas. Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery, Old Spirits, Texas Attitude. 
Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Talk 1370. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. At the top of the hour, we told you guys that all of our Rolex drivers were either in bed, wouldn't answer my phone call, <laughs> or had to catch a flight that something happened. But to our the rescue, cowboy. to the rescue, the most enthusiastic <laughs> man at Rolex, Ben Keating from Victoria, Texas, who got to drive an LMP2 car this weekend, is on the line. Ben Keating, welcome back to Speed City, buddy. Hey, thank you so much. And hey, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to start off by correcting you, but uh, I was in both an LMP2 oh. car and a DPI right. Cadillac. So uh, two I different forgot. cars, two different teams. I finished uh, uh, in uh, both third and eighth overall. So two cars in the top eight overall. Oh my gosh! Is that is that a record? Has anyone ever done that before? I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody's keeping those records. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're, we're going to dig that up. Man, Ben, congrats, buddy. That is so awesome. That is Thank so you. awesome. It was, uh, it was an absolutely uh, great experience. Uh, you know, I've been, uh, I, I love that race, and I love to be in two different cars. Uh, it's a special kind of challenge. Uh, I've done it. Uh, I've been in two different cars for most of the last 10 years. Uh, but this was the first time ever to be in the DPI class to compete for an overall win at Daytona uh, and uh, to be in the two fastest classes uh, and to perform the way both teams did. Uh, it was an amazing weekend. It didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. Uh, you know, we, uh, we needed the last two hours to go green the whole time. We, we had a pretty good lead with two hours to go. Uh, I had visions of uh, an overall win and a podium in the LMP2, uh, but we had a couple of yellow flags that uh, allowed uh, some of the other cars that were behind us to uh, to catch up and get right on our tail, and uh, you know, uh, it, it didn't work out that way. But uh, I still got to be I got to be on the podium uh, uh, in the Mustang sampling. Number five, uh, DPI Cadillac, uh, the overall podium, which is really cool uh, <laughs> for uh, a 50-year-old car dealer from Texas. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Ben, I, kn I knew that you were in two cars. In fact, because you've done it, like you said, this is second multiple or third times. Time, right? but, the, but the fact you're driving that DPI car, I mean, that that's getting way, way up there in capabilities. I mean, you we don't have to do anything but watch what's on track, how fast they go around those GT3 cars. I mean, that's got to be an amazing race car to drive. It was the most fun I've ever had behind the wheel of a race car. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really incredible. You know, uh, I, did, uh, I, I did just over two hours uh, the, on Saturday afternoon in the car, uh, and uh, you know, I wanted to take it easy for the first stint. Uh, kind of learn what I could get away with. And I did a couple of really good laps in uh, the first stint. We double stinted the tires. And so my second stint, I had older tires. I was a little bit slower. But uh, in my third stint, I got brand new tires. And uh, uh, we had a safety car restart after a safety car period, which meant I started right behind the whole train of uh, these DPI cars where you know, I, I'm getting to play with the best sports car racers in the entire world uh, uh, at Daytona International Speedway in uh, effectively the Super Bowl of sports car racing. Uh, and it was an in 
it was just a blast. I did a one minute, 35.1 second lap, fastest lap I've ever done, uh, uh, and, uh, around Daytona and, uh, golly, it, it was, uh, incredible to know that, uh, uh, you know, they didn't take off and leave me. I could st- uh, stay with them. So it was nice. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Well, Hey, I got to ask you about the cold too, man. It was what? 32 degrees in, in Florida. Did you, did you pack properly? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I left on Wednesday. My wife came on Friday uh, and I had her bring me some long johns and Uggs. It was really cold, uh, but you know, uh, you know, in IMSA, we're not allowed to use tire heaters. uh, And, as those tires, uh, you know, stick to the pavement, eventually they build up a lot of heat and a lot of pressure, which means when you're leaving pit lane on those cold tires, you have very, very low pressures. There's almost no grip, and it's like you're driving on ice. Uh, uh, it was yeah. a real uh, challenge in the middle of the night, uh, very difficult conditions. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm really, really proud of both teams having a completely clean race. You know, uh, we did everything right. Uh, we did all we could do to help ourselves to, to be there. Uh, and, you know, having the cold track and the cold temps, the low pressures was just uh, one more added challenge to all the teams. Uh, and uh, we were able to stay out of trouble, but it was definitely tricky. I did a stint in the LMP2 car, uh, between you know 1 a.m. and or 2 a.m. and and 3:30 a.m. Uh, and uh, whew, it was tricky. <laughs> you know they on the television commentary. Uh, by the way, we talked about this earlier. Peacock did an amazing job, but on the television commentary, they were talking about guys like you, and they were talking about how this is just a side hustle. But Ben, the, <laughs> fa- the, the fact that you can even get in and not crash a DPI car is amazing because these guys are the professionals, you know, they do it all day, every day, but the fact that you can run amazing lap times like that, I mean, you, you really, it's really astounding, really. Well, thank you. Uh, it is something I'm extremely passionate about. Uh, I spend uh, a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing, uh, doing this deal. Uh, uh, just because I love it. You know, I, I got, uh, I got started 15 years ago. This is my 12th Rolex 24. Uh, I think in eight of those, I've been in two different cars. So, uh, this is my 20th attempt, uh, at winning a new Daytona Rolex. Uh, I, <laughs> I've done it one time. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting better. So it's nice to know that uh, even though I'm I'm getting older every year, I, I'm still learning. Well, ben, ben Keating, thank you very much for calling in last awesome. minute like that. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on uh, the double drive there and the success. It's just amazing. Thank you, Ben. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the fact that you guys have a, a motorsports radio show right here in Texas. Uh, uh, I, I'm grateful for you guys. Thank hey, you. Thanks, Ben. Hey, Thank- you're going to have to listen to the next announcement on this because you're going to like the news that I'm going to share here shortly. <laughs> ben, thanks All a right. lot, buddy. We appreciate it. You bet. Travel safe, bud. Yeah, go ahead, Les. We got a got a sponsor Alrighty. thing we got to hey, talk first about. First up, uh, we got to remind you, Super Lap Battle coming up February 18, 19, and 20 here at Circuit of the Americas. This is these are guys that start out in a one car garage or start out with their car in a million dollar shop. And it is anything and everything. But the best thing about this, it's a spectator event. Come on out. 12 bucks entry fee. Get it online ahead of time and be there. So don't forget that. Superlapbattleusa.com for more information. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I was really excited. I, I knew Ben. He's such a he's such a a, a great guy to have on. We should, we've had him on for longer than that before. We're out of time tonight, but but I'd forgotten that he did both the DPI. That isn't that amazing that this guy the just, dynamics of the two different cars. Yeah, well, that that to besides, contend with. Yeah, but, but th- besides the fact, I mean, a DPI, you got to figure that's close to, you know. Oh, it's just. Wicked. I mean, beyond yeah, an Indy Lights car, maybe. What do you think, Jonathan? Oh heck yeah! I mean, you, you're talking about a super fast prototype car. It's awesome. 
I can't remember the lap times DPI at Coda uh, as compared to Indy. I, I would imagine it was yeah. probably, you know, Indy car was probably like 146 or 7. I think those were probably slightly slower than that. But all right, gentlemen, we are out of time. Thanks, everybody who tuned in on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a give us a like. And um, and, and uh, what do they say? Ring the bell. Click the ring the bell for, for reminders because we're going to do it on YouTube yeah. all every Sunday night. And uh, we also do it to our Formula One shows Lots during of good the season, news. too. Hey, the shortest version of it, I talked to some drivers today out at Coda. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. They love it. It's glass smooth. That's right. Come okay, on, so folks. the resurface gives a thumbs up from the drivers who are out there today. Yes. Awesome. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next Sunday night. Ciao, y'all. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t